So welcome back to another episode of podcast. I'm your host Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut, and today we have a new guy in town, right? So uh, Timothy, introduce yourself. Another Timothy, yes. Yes. Hi, my name is uh, Timothy Go. I'm a journalist for Blockhead. I think some of you would be familiar with the other team, uh, Timothy Mizer. So, yep, that's me. Guys on holiday. That's right. Yeah, guys on holiday and and uh, Mark. Yeah, once again, any new thing we need to know about you? <laughs> uh, I think the first thing I want to ask is: uh, Have you guys bought your cold wallets yet? I mean, this is uh, you know, <laughs> first episode, right? So okay, uh, hope you yeah, guys yeah. have. Right, so yeah, that's yeah. out of the way already. Um, yeah. yeah. So the blockhead, as you can see, we have uh, affinity for for Timothy's. So if you're a Timothy mm-hmm. as well, and yeah. you want to work with us, right? Uh, just let us know. You get right. you get move up the hiring have, ladder. We actually are working with three three Timothys. I'm not, I kid you not. <laughs> Wait, serious? Okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. I gotta change my name, or then I can get hired, right? But anyway, anyway, yeah. yes, yes. So recently, just <laughs> recently, recently, there's been uh, quite a lot of ads for cold wallets. By the way, I don't know if you guys see it, right? Like online or social media, you see all these things. So yeah. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully you coconuts have kind of sorted it out and gotten your things together. So yeah, as this situation continues to evolve, we have more things for you every week. And today we have three interesting stories once again. Uh, the first story will be BlockFi declaring Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Second story will be Binance uh, initiating some sort of a industry recovery kind of thing. I don't know how big, what can they do, right? <laughs> and, and stay for that. And the third one is, of course, Singapore's crypto ambition, right? Although all these things have happened, the parliament has talked about it. It seems like continuously we're going to see more development. So yeah, Timothy, bring us through the very first story. Yes. So uh, I think many of you will have seen the news that BlockFi declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So the question now is who's next and what's next, right? So as I said, it's the latest casualty in the FTX meltdown with the company filing for chapter 11 bankruptcy along with eight of its affiliates so this means that more traders funds are now stuck and uh, without waiting for genesis to go bankrupt is this the start of the contagion that the industry has been expecting yeah so so i I think that before we 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 get into blockfire right i think just for the benefit of the viewers oh sorry the listeners right uh pardon me um, um, perhaps we should kind of just talk a bit about what Chapter 11 bankruptcy uh, really is. Yeah. Right? Right. Hey, good. Uh, you're getting good at this, bro. That was what I wanted to ask. Wait, wait. Come, come. Yeah. Okay, what is Chapter 11 bankruptcy? Tell us. So, Chapter 11 bankruptcy essentially is a time given to the company to reorganize its shit, right? So, during this time, <laughs> okay, the company is still operational. Right, and it can reorganize its debts, find new financing. Right, uh, obviously they would have probably have to retrench a lot of people as well. Uh, but you know, like uh, it is still an operational company, so it is not dead during this time. Right, the idea beh- the idea with this right is to give the company space such that its creditors don't come in, you know, and sue the company to oblivion. Okay, okay. So, so then, what's the difference between that, that, a normal? That is like you know, like in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah then what's the difference between a normal? Bankruptcy then, like for for let's say for casual investors, you know, like casual investors well, and not like retail not retail people. Okay, okay. The company is not bankrupt yet. Uh, the correct term here is actually bankruptcy protection, right? Mm. So so um, when it, when you when the company is going through the, the whole chapter eleven thing, right? It is not bankrupt yet, right? It is trying to reorganize its, its affairs, uh, and uh, but maybe you know usually at some point along the lines it would probably kind of declare bankruptcy, um, but. 
um, or, or, it, or it could go into receivership or liquidation. So these, these are some of the, of the options on the table. Uh, but like, you know, like, uh, it, it, it generally means that the company is actually not insolvent yet. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah. from from that view, from that optics, right? After you lay the ground like that, like why are, why is, why are some of these companies like doing this chapter eleven thing rather than just outright saying, oh, we're gonna bankrupt, liquidate, you know, everybody's gonna line up to get whatever you have left. What is the situation? Usually, I think, I mean, in most cases, um, it is because most of these companies have investors, they have shareholders, right, and then like. Um, uh, they would want to structure the debt such that they are able to, I guess, either reduce liability, right, uh, or give the company a shot at continuing operations. Okay, 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 yeah. fair, interesting. This, 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 is, this is the usual view, uh, because, I mean, like, if let's say they wind it down now, like, the buck stops there, right? So, pretty much, uh, whoever has a personal guarantee, uh, whoever is on the hook for, like, you know, like... Uh, any, any of the directors who are, who, are, who are personal guarantors for like any loans taken, right, uh, for example, they, they will all be liable straight away. And I think that like uh, they will want to avoid a situation like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is just from my, from my uh, you know, general opinion. Legal uh, background. Yeah. Legal background. No, no, no. Huh? <laughs> not, not speaking uh, from a no, legal a background. half-baked legal background. Uh. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, not. I'm, I'm just more <laughs> speaking from like, you know, like if you were operating a business, right? So the, the other perspective here is that they probably also, you know, like they will want business operations to continue. Because at the end of the day, right, if they intend to, whatever they want to do with the company next, you know, if they were to kind of like sell the company or if they were to get, you know, like new investment into the company, even if it's at a real cut rate or it's like a fire sale kind of price, right, um, going down this route buys the company time to do that. Okay, okay, fair point. So then what's so interesting about like BlockFi declaring Chapter 11, like specifically them, like what, what, what's, so, what's so important? Like why do we need to know? Yeah, I think like... Uh we have all been expecting the next casualty to be Genesis, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now so the Block other guy never died, this guy died, so it's important. <laughs> yeah, BlockFi okay. jumped ahead of the queue. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, it means that more traders' funds are actually trapped, right? And this is definitely going to start to spark a contagion. So it spells trouble for the for the entire crypto industry, uh, in that sense. The other, I think, the, the 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 other point to kind of like bring out here, right, is that you know crypto lenders, right, um, they're not required to kind of like hold capital or liquidity buffers like traditional banks. Hmm. So when, when there's a short, shortage of collateral force on them, right, like you know they have to shoulder like huge losses, like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and this is an industry wide problem, right? And probably probably Correct. getting addressed at this point in time. It looks like more and more more Correct. and more. Uh, big boys and are trying to are trying to sort this out. So yeah, uh, Tim, maybe you can tell us a little bit more. Like, what is the kind of contagion effect? Right, we keep hearing this thing, right? But I, I want some numbers and some clarity on like how big is it effect gonna be, you know? And what's so significant about BlockFi being like like the first or like in front of Genesis? Yeah, I mean, uh, BlockFi has like three hundred fifty five million dollars in cryptocurrencies currently frozen on FTX. So it uh, means a lot of people's funds are frozen on a centralized entity. So it's basically the failures of traditional finance uh, being applied to crypto right now. And whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, Elaborate a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> what's the, what, what's the failure of traditional finance there? How, how is it? How yeah, is I it mean, getting? You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. So when you look at when you look at the the, the 2008 financial crisis, right? Um, what caused it was a lack of regulation, easy credit conditions, uh, over leveraging, right? And all these happen via centralized entities. So what's happening in crypto right now is that you have all these centralized exchanges, centralized lending platforms, uh, centralized hedge funds that are being exposed to one another. So uh, when something collapses, it's literally a domino effect. So that's how I would explain like the risk of contagion that's going to happen, that's happening. Fair, fair. It's, it's like the Glass-Steagall thing. Like. Yeah. Together, yeah. yeah. With, and with, and uh, I think that the, the other US. point that, um, that, that that is important here is that you know, unlike kind of like traditional lenders, right? Uh, you know, these crypto lenders they actually don't need to act to have that kind of like buffer or collateral uh, in the bank, mm-hmm. right? So when when they get you know like say margin call like or exposed, right? Like you know, they, they they literally have to shoulder the losses, and like in most cases, they don't have the reserves to kind of back it up. Okay, so so this is actually a problem that is very I would say specific to the crypto industry and I think that that is what you know the SEC and all the different regulators are now scrambling to try and address they, I mean like you know like uh, it, it really all starts with like uh, right right from day one right with all your algorithmic stable coins and like you have no idea like what kind of reserves they have you know uh, um, and I think that that is just a fundamental problem I think that that's a recurrent theme that we've seen throughout the entire year okay interesting yeah I mean in in theory, something like that would work, right? Um, just like traditional finance, you go through an intermediary who lends out your your assets, right? But like when you have something that so powerful like FTX, and it's essentially backed by its own token and so fragile, um, that's that's basically how how vulnerable the crypto industry is right now, though. Mm. But hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Everyone, everyone now says it's very vulnerable. Back then, it's like woohoo, you know. It's like, 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 how, 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 how does that even stand, right? From from a from an investor's uh, point of view, right? And trying to understand this, and then I, I would, I think that um, what what is clear is that retail investing is probably dead for at least some time. Um, I think that we might have. Uh. I feel as if we might be repeating some points um, from the last podcast. But I think that you know, it, 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 there's no harm also kind of like, uh, I guess, uh, going back to that because you know, I, th- I think that this is going to be one of the big themes here. Uh, even if the, the industry becomes a bit more regulated, right? I think it'll be a while before um, retail investors uh, trust is restored with the, re- with the retail investing scene, right? Um, on the institutional end of things, they are, uh, institutional investors are going to require more regulation before they kind of deploy their funds. I mean, there's still quite a lot of dry powder like on the sidelines. But I think that everyone's just waiting for, I mean, like your, your, your institutions are just waiting for better controls. Yeah. Um, Singapore, especially if you think about what has happened here, right? Uh, at one point, you know, Do Kwon was staying here. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Hoddle Knot is was a Singaporean company. Uh, a lot of Singaporeans opened up FTX accounts because uh, Binance wasn't given the, the, the license to operate here. Right, so mm-hmm. so I think these three things, when combined, right, uh, would have an a real impact on how retail investors, uh, you know, view cryptocurrency investing. In a way, this works. Uh, this is, I would say, like you know, like it, 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 all the warnings that MES has made about you know, like speculating in cryptocurrencies, right, 
um, I, I don't think that they, they, they need to do any more education after this in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> it's time to if, get if out that, your your wallets yeah. and hide it under your bed. If, yeah. Yeah. if that was a goal, if a, if that was part of their media campaign, like KPI, right? They hit it, like I mean, without 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 they hit it really. They, there's no need to say anything else, really. Like you know, like once you come up there, uh-huh. and then like you know, like if I were to do like a comms campaign for them, right? It'd be like, okay, guys, Mm-mm. one poster, so. Hold not, Do Kwon, you know, FTX, right? You know, Singapore. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> okay. Fair, right. Fair, you just fair, put fair, all yeah. those three, right? And then, like you know, like this enough already. You, you get a message across. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I don't know how to feel about that, but yes. Uh, shout out if you want to sponsor us. We're very happy to do campaign for you, MS. So yeah, next. Uh, let's move to next story. You know, uh, as we continue to observe this evolution. So yeah, Mark, bring us through what's the next story. Someone wants to be the hero in this game. Yeah, it's always you know there's uh, there's a white knight. Uh, um, you know, so Binance is on some PR campaign. Uh, they've set up like a uh, <laughs> an industry recovery initiative, uh, IRI. You know, it's been, it's uh, been called. Uh, uh, essentially, essentially a one billion dollar recovery fund for the industry. Uh, and I mean, the, the the main thesis here is that if you're you know a crypto, if you're running a crypto related business or like Web three related business, you can apply for this fund, and then they would uh, they would they would assist you during this time. Um, and for sure, there are a lot of businesses that would need it, Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But this, so, so, this so, so essentially like Binance's IMF, right? Like, like they have just created this like fund that will then come in and like quote unquote save these businesses. But I'm pretty sure there will be some austerity measures here and there. So, so yeah. But yeah, Probably. share with us more, I mate. Mean, yeah. The way I see it, money is money, man. So you know, it it really just comes down to like the to the terms of the program, which I am not too familiar with. Right, I mean, if if it is a direct investment and like you know, like there's just no liability beyond that, then fine. I mean, I I don't see what is the, I don't I don't really see the downside in that sense. You know, so I mean, people have saying people are saying right now like, oh yeah, you know, it's gonna be a Binance monopoly, they're gonna own everything. But I mean, I think as long as it's not like credit, right, or like there isn't, uh, um, you know, if, if it's if it's a straight up like equity kind of investment, then yeah, I don't I don't really see like you know, I guess the the main risk here lah. Yeah, so even if Binance collapses, I mean, like you know, as, as long as like, the money is in, the money is in. Really? So okay, so 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 you're not concerned that, um, like these things become very centralized in that sense, right? So so I think there's there's two two levels of centralization as to how people are using this word, right? These days, like centralized mm. means like a, a lot of things transact mm. through a particular entity, right? So there's a there's a central kind of place where you do all these transactions that's okay. causing a lot of kings between mm. the, the 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 crypto DeFi people, whatever, right? And then there's the other idea of centralization where yeah, pretty much a giant owns everything, right? And and they control they pretty they can control as and when they want, right? That, that is actually a very good point. Uh, um, it, it is, I would agree that there are actually two ways in which we are using this term. Uh, uh, and it's important to kind of like, you know, like uh, uh, acknowledge, the, acknowledge the difference. Um, but before I get to that, I think that the, the, where I'm coming from here is that it is survival mode right now. And if, that's, if the industry is in survival mode, right, uh, all bets off, right? So, so take the money, if there's money, Take it first, survive. All the all the other ideological questions about whether it's centralized or not decentralized, I think all that all that gets pushed to the backseat, because if the product you're building or the company that you built doesn't survive the winter, then all the, then this entire conversation is moot anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, so that, that, that is my my I would say the most practical view <laughs> here uh, about at least from like an industry point of view, uh, um, how how this would be perceived, right? Because. Uh, we can say what they want about you know like uh, CZ's intentions, um, 
and obviously you know like they are they are engaging in some form of like vulture uh, venture capitalism but you know like of money course. is money yeah. yeah 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 <coughs> so that, that that's one perspective um, then the other question about you know like okay we we ever see a Binance monopoly I mean I mean obviously I don't think that that is a it is a good thing la. you know because I mean just it is not a healthy scenario where all roads in the, in the industry of Web three right like lead back to like one entity la. yeah and 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 this is not Web three agnostic like it is applicable across the board to to every other industry of that's course, why of course. you have antitrust laws that's why you have anti anti monopoly laws as well. Right. Of course, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Can fair, I just fair. say that uh, you, you can know. say whatever you want to say. Just say. <laughs> <laughs> no need to ask for permission. Just say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Binance CZEC is arguably like the most powerful middleman in crypto right now, right? And we think about crypto, you think about decentralized, decentralizing finance. So uh, it's an it's quite an ironic statement, considering the fact that crypto should be. <laughs> You know, having self-custody and control over your own assets. Mm. I mean, so like the fact that there's a centralized entity in control of your assets makes it no different from traditional finance, right? Whoa, So, okay. which means that the industry is also susceptible, which we have seen, to the same failures of traditional finance. And I think the question, the broader question now is, um, are investors going to be stuck in that same traditional banking mindset that having a third party be in control of their assets is still safer? Or are we going to see a paradigm shift towards DeFi where users are dealing solely with other users instead of via an opaque centralized entity that could be susceptible to sudden bank runs? So I think that's the, that's, that's the, the talking points that the industry has to address. Is there a sign? Is there any signs now at this point in time? Are you seeing are you seeing uptick within DeFi or something? Like other could other DeFi know, tokens doing I, better? I, I, blah blah blah. I I I I think that like well well, well obviously I mean I do share like uh, Tim's Tim, Tim's view, but I think that there's also which team you got three team, uh, Tim Gold obviously the one the one just spoke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Right. Uh, uh, it is. I I think that what what is pressing right now is like you know like so, like. People are trying to meet payroll, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter we we, we can we can argue, we can kind of like I guess hypothesize all, all we want about just like you know like are we are we go, are we moving to a more like traditional finance kind of like uh, system? I think getting more centralized, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know the fact of the matter is that people still want to kind of get paid the normal way. You know we pay rent, we, we rent offices the normal way, and all of these matters and all of these things are pressing right now. You know so so that is a very real world. Um, situation that a lot of these companies are dealing with, and unfortunately, I think that you know, like the the way the way that we have to deal with these things, right, would uh, be very traditional. So I mean, so so if you want to talk about ironies, you know, like that 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 really is it, like You know, you have uh, um, what we hope to kind of like achieve with like Web three and cryptocurrency, right? So we we want a decentralized future, but at its, at the same time, right now they are like pressing real world survival problems, right? That these companies have to deal with. Right, so that that just kind of yeah. brings everything back to like you know like just fundamentals, like business fundamentals, right? Um, yeah, yeah, which yeah. which I think is actually a missing part of the conversation here. Like just you know like from a from a fundamental point of view, right? Um, we are going to see whether like like just how viable this industry actually is in its current state and form. Mm-hmm. No, no, but but I I yeah. think where where I where yeah. I'm thinking of I I get what you're saying. Right? Where I'm thinking of is 
you know, like people always talk about oh, DeFi, DeFi, but there are, there are some some fundamental parameters that you can even observe, right? It's like how you observe, you know, uh, Bitcoin prices as the health of the overall space, right? Mm. Bitcoin prices stay whole. That means overall the space is well mm. capitalized. You know, people are still in it. So there must be some things that you can look out for to see whether the trend is shifting over to DeFi, mm. right? And probably some of these DeFi coins will prov- will provide uh, a, a decent idea because if, if money is moving in, then, you know, it, it does show that, you know, there's user, people are using, you know, capital is moving in uh, to some of these spaces, right? Rather than endlessly hypothesizing, oh yeah, maybe it should be like that or maybe, it, you know, it will be better the other way. Maybe you can just kind of observe uh, some of these tokens and, and, and see if, if more capital is shifting in, you know, suggesting utility, suggesting people are parking, parking capital in those places. Uh, I, I don't know, that's a very tr- traditional finance people think like that, you know, I don't know if that's, that's applied to, to crypto. I think that um, definitely in agreement. I think that Bitcoin is just the general barometer of the health of the industry. Um, as to what, as to where the money is flowing right now into the like, you know, which tokens? Uh, um, that that is some that is something that is an interesting theme that to kind of like watch out for, for over the next six, six to twelve months. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I I think that you know like the, the blue chips like you know Ethereum for example uh, would be relatively stable in my opinion. Although Ben, uh, although Tim might actually have a different opinion, um, if he has one. Yes, Ethereum will be will be will be stable. Uh, you don't need to have an opinion if you don't. Yeah, just saying. Don't need to force me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're not CNA or something. Okay, not so. <laughs> so don't need to have an opinion if you don't. But yes, please, please, open for you. Yeah, I mean, back back to the point about about DeFi, right? I think. Um, there's still a long way before we can actually decentralize finance. I mean, right now, DeFi is a bit of a mess, right? Um, you essentially have rainbow-colored protocols. Yeah, exactly. You have rainbow-colored protocols offering like 200% APY. And uh, protocols are essentially printing their own tokens, so, right? Mm-hmm. So it's essentially like a, a separate economy outside of... Our, 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 our economy essentially so would that work we don't really know yeah yeah so so just kind of to, to, to elaborate i guess um to, to to go back to your point about you know like just how traditional finance type for kind of like you know like like i guess look at the fundamentals here right um one of the things i guess to 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 watch out for here is that if you see a protocol or project uh if they have to sell their own tokens to 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 uh, either turn an operating profit or, or, or to remain sustainable, right? That's usually a red flag, in my opinion, going forward, right? So, mm-hmm. looking at the tokens, I think that you ha- or, or, or the projects, right? They need to be generating, I would say, real world value uh, on some level uh, uh, for it to be an investable project. And, and this, right, this usually is quite a minefield, but like, but like, you know, um, one of the lessons I think for me personally, right, this year. If you look at the crazy APYs or yields that um, were, were were being offered this year by some of these projects, if you as a retail investor can't understand where that yield is coming from, then you are the yield. You guys get where I'm coming from here, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get yeah, it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. that that is one I mean, way that I think that I will. <laughs> <laughs> conduct my own I would say like this is my own personal investment thesis going uh, forward if I were to, mm. if I were to put my money in crypto like if I if I can't really understand where that yield is coming from 
then you know it's gonna just a greater full theory already you know at play um yeah yeah, yeah, and and and, and I, I love how you just said like, oh yeah, there must be a real world application to this thing, you know, uh, you know, under underpinning, <laughs> underpinning the assumption is most of them don't have real world application, but it's fine, it's fine. We don't need to, we don't need to have that discussion as we continue to evolve. On no, the I mean, I, to, to give you an, to, to give you to give you a good <laughs> example of this is like you know like yeah. say like automated market makers and liquidity pools, right? That that is an example of like you know I, I would say like there's real tangible value because at the end of the day, right, traders need liquidity. Right, so if you if you are offering your cash as liquidity and you're earning a yield off of that, right, that that is that is enough value in my opinion, right. Mm, but then, mm, mm. what I'm talking about is just in 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 levels of sanity, right. Like you know, like there is no <laughs> way that like a project can be offering like say twenty percent APY. It has to come from somewhere. Mm, 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 yeah. So so there is nothing wrong with like you know I think staking in general and actually being being able to make uh, a spread from it. But mm. I think that mo- if you're a retail investor uh, uh, and you're just putting your money. Uh, uh, in these things, it is it is worth questioning um, where things seem too good to be true, mm. right? I, I I know I know it's a very uh, uh, the simple statement, way of looking uh, at things. I, I know uh, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so in in most cases, when I've actually uh, looked at it, right, uh, the the yield is actually coming from people like me who just putting money into the into the, into the <laughs> protocol. <laughs> so you are the you. <laughs> what the? Okay, okay, okay. We we will continue to cover some of some of these things, and hopefully, to our <laughs> weekly discussions, you you learn some stuff, lah. Rather than just like like just <laughs> so every week we we'll talk about some of these things. So yeah, great. Okay, so um, let us go to the third story. So third story, uh, really focuses on Singapore's crypto ambition, and I think for a lot of you that tune in to. The kind of uh, eight hour a day, <laughs> once a month, or like thrice a month, kind of like a parliament discussion, which I am one of them. Yes, I do consume. It's like like I, I keep hearing their voices running running on my like speaker and all that, right? So for all of you that tune into those things, uh, actually Singapore has a serious crypto ambition, right? They're really looking at trying to um, do more in this space uh, while. Lawrence Wong did say we're not trying to harp, you know, like in Singapore, like not trying to do the retail thing, but uh, there's a lot of considerations around uh, regulations, trying to pull business in. Of course, right, because like, businesses come in, they pay 10% corporate tax, right? Very good for the country. So there's a lot of uh, initiatives around there, but it still seems pretty ambiguous on like the retail front. Like, is the government going to support, you know, retail investors or are we going to allow more development of like retail front-facing technology or are we just going to do like the back end and do a lot of those like piping kind of work, right? Which also makes a very decent income for Singapore in general in corporate tax and all that. So, yeah, with with that in mind, um, anybody has any thoughts about Singapore's uh, endless crypto ambition? It feels like despite all this saga, we're still talking about it again and again and again, even in parliament. Well, I, I would actually... Um uh, clarify that a little bit. I, I think it's clear from the comms coming from you know in Parliament and you know from MES and pretty much any of the gov- anything from the government end of things that we are trying to position ourselves as a blockchain hub as opposed to a crypto hub. Mm. Uh, and I mean, like they, I mean over there they call it like digital assets. Uh, I think I think that, that that that's what they really mean here when they say that you know like you know innovation in the digital asset space good, cryptocurrency speculation bad, right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel Simple. like I have become Simple. like this is Yeah, this, this is this sound is like all, MAS right now. I sound like MAS right now, but like this yeah, is just yeah, the, the, yeah. the core message they want to get out and like it is it uh. is that. Right? So I think the fundamental thing here is getting the public at large, you know, understanding the differentiation between innovation, like what is good innovation for them 
and what is bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, they don't want people kind of speculating in these in these things, la, But that is a different question la, altogether. I think that you know, like, um, you you should be able to do whatever you want with your money. Yeah. Oh, well, that that's a that's a big question. But but I yeah. I think, yeah, I mean. I always have this thought around, like, so what do you? How do you consider what is speculative and what is what is like investing, right? Like, what what are you really uh, trying mm-hmm. to do, right? Wow, that's a whole different kind of worms, man. And uh, Timothy, any thoughts on on that? <laughs> because you don't want to sound like MAS, right? I know Mark sounds like MAS, so so <laughs> tell, tell, tell us a little bit, like, what are your thoughts on uh, Singapore's crypto ambition? Yeah, I mean, I would say that Singapore has an extremely contradictory approach to crypto. I mean, on one hand, the MES is constantly reminding us, retail investors, that cryptocurrencies are dangerous. I already are tell dangerous. you already, 10% corporate tax, bro. That's the main goal. <laughs> <laughs> corporate tax is yeah. the main goal. But, yeah. you know, the MES has been, has been saying that cryptocurrencies are dangerous, are speculative, blah, 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 blah. But, on the other hand, GIC and Tamasic, whose mandates and objectives are also established by Singapore's Ministry of Finance, have been making investments into crypto-related firms, including FTX, right? So FTX is an exchange that dealt cryptocurrencies to the retail investors that the MES supposedly wants to protect. So you get where I'm going, right? I, where I get it, sing- but yeah. I, you, also, you also get my rebuttal, right? 10% corporate tax, that's the main, that's the main thing. Yeah. Right, making, making money off everyone else's activity rather than uh, having well, our local population participate in it. I, I don't think uh, th- I don't think Tamasic or or GIC like you know like, the, like any of the government funds are, are, are ever going to invest in a crypto exchange ever again. I, I, after this, <laughs> or, or you you can I, even I can say there may be no crypto exchange ever again going forward. There'll be no new ones. Consolidation and DeFi is away. Yeah, the, the decentralized exchanges maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Tamasic okay. is is involved in is investing in Uniswap. Uh, a decentralized mm. exchange. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Uniswap. I, I feel like why don't one. they just go and build one, man? I mean, they got the resources, right? Let's go and put the money where the mouth is. Build one, lah. <laughs> then it will don't be a be centralized exchange. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Government backed. Gov- government, you know. I mean, like you know, like we are whatever. Our, we just collateralize on our reserves, lah. You know, that, that's yeah, what yeah. it is. Whoa, 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 whoa! That was very, <laughs> very heavy. We're not going there. I don't want to get cancer, lah. Control yourself, ah. Later we cannot puff man. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. But but I'm just saying they, they should they should not 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 that they have they should. Yeah, 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 but Tim, I, I want to double down on the point that you say, like it's a bit, like they internally they're contradicting themselves, right? Like on one yeah. end they they want to do this, on the other end they're trying to get the retail people out of it. So then, what? How to how to not do this and how to <laughs> how how should like our listeners, right? They tune in every week. How should they then look at this whole situation? Should they just like not care about it and okay? Because because what it means, right? On some level, it means that. If the government puts out these kind of ideas and puts out these kind of pointers, it means that if you lose money, it's your tai chi, your problem. You know, like we're not going to do anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that anchors the the narrative, right? In other words, you hypothesize the next step means we're not going to protect you on that. And unlike if you put money in the bank or you lose money with, uh, let's say, some sort of like a uh, insurance company you overbuy, they oversell you, you can go to case. You know, there are a lot of infrastructure that are built to then protect you on those fronts. But when the government puts out these kind of pointers, it means, oh, if you lose money in the retail crowd, this is your problem, not our problem, right? So yeah. then how should us, like, listeners or, like, retail people, right, look at this thing and, 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 and work through some of these stuff? I mean, first of all, we are going to invest anyway, right? You, you just cannot stop retail investors mm. from investing in crypto, right? Uh, There's Lawrence just no way. That, yes. Yeah. 
So the first thing that needs to happen, in my opinion, wait, you know which Lawrence, right? Not, not, not your friend Lawrence, like. <laughs> Minister Lawrence Wong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just call them Lawrence, la, you know, Yi Kang, la, whatever. They can all come on the show. I love them. Okay, please continue. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the first thing that Singapore actually needs to do is that the government needs to align, as they, as they say, the mandates and objectives across all three entities, GIC, Domestic, and NMS, before charting a clearer path for the industry. Whether they want to move towards a blockchain hub or a crypto hub, that needs to be uh, established first. And then the second point is, after this, should Singapore sovereign funds still be investing in contrarian crypto projects in the long term, just because um, its balance sheet says that it can? I think these are the, the questions that the government needs to answer first before providing like a sort of clearer... Uh, guideline for retail investors in Singapore. I mean, it might, if you want my answer, my own opinion to like, you know, whether they should, they should be investing in contrarian stuff, I mean, obviously, yes, la, you know, and I think that this is just a comms issue that they can just manage properly, right? Because mm-hmm. if, if the whole idea that, you know, the whole idea about investing in innovation to begin with, right, is that you need to be able to take a contrarian approach. So it then becomes, how do we then manage the optics here, right? Yeah. So, so I, if I were, you know, like uh, uh, Tamasek at this point in time, you know, an opportunity to invest in NFTX at that point in time, given the information that they have, right, um, could still fit a certain thesis that might be palatable to the public. Right, but at the same time, they can also only act on information that is available. Yeah, yeah, but but to yeah. to be clear, to be clear, Jesse Tomasek, they are not they are not actually very accountable to the public, right? They are shielded from political yeah. pressure. You know, they are we're trying to give them the professional ground to then make their own investments, make their own theses. You know, although they are managing state money, you know, uh. They they are not always in political light, right? And they and also when and to to me, I think that is a that's a great way forward. Yeah, you know, I don't believe that they should yeah. endlessly be accountable for their successes or wins or losses. They, yeah, you know, they, they, for, sh- they don't have to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they they should just do their professional work, right? So I'm I'm not on, in that camp of trying to do that. But I think the the concern that I have a little bit more of, and I think a lot of our listeners will have, is that to me this is more than a comms issue to me this is a, a responsibility and a regulatory and kind of support system issue right if you're not gonna if 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 you tell people that we're gonna we're not gonna like you know uh, welcome you to put money in retail in other words trying to tell people that you're on your own right like we're not gonna set up any systems to their support which I also get it because it's complicated to do some of these things especially when money is not collateralized here right it's, it's like abroad you know people shift money out blah 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 um, so I get the complexity but you know, I, I'm I'm not sure like how how the retail crowd should should take it, right? And and even honestly, even if you don't take it, then what you want to do, right? Like, <laughs> what, what's your plan? Yeah. So as in, okay, maybe yeah. maybe maybe I should clarify what I mean by by it being a comms issue, right? So for example, if let's say they they were able to say carve out a a so like a certain fund where like you know like the 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 general idea here is that you know like for Singapore to take big bets on what might actually be, you know like what might actually happen in the future, right? And then also communicating that the, the, the price of taking these big bets is also 
accepting the failure that comes with it. This is something that I actually think can be part of like, you know, like how they communicate to the public because it's something that most Singaporeans can accept. Like, okay, look, we're not going to be obviously, you know, like um, dumping all of our money and then like lighting it on fire. But like, you know, in this particular area, right, like where we are making these investments, right, we're taking big bets in the future, right? And some of these bets actually don't work out. And like, you know, and, th and that also ties into like the retail investing risk because, you know, like it is what they are saying is that, you know, like there is a high risk of failure, but these are bets that could be worth it anyway. Right, and we, are, and we are investing it within this, these limited per parameters, you know. Um, th that's what I mean coming from a comms point of view. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But I, I don't know whether we are at that, at that level yet because, you know, the, 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 the branding that at the same time Singapore wants that, you know, like, okay, we are, we are very secure, very stable, and then, like, you know, like, we just don't, we just, we just, we, we're not, we don't really need to kind of, like, grow our wealth to that point anymore. We're just trying to maintain things, you know. Mm -hmm. Fair, yeah. interesting. Tim, any yeah, anything? Yeah, so that's one point of view. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Mark summed it up quite well. That means nothing, lah. Okay, come, let's. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in closing, yeah. great, great, love it, love it. I mean, uh, by the way, for all of you that didn't know, Tim pretty much prepared a lot of the talking points. So check out blockhead.co for for all the articles that are around this, right? So in closing, anyone has any last things to add for today's uh, three big stories? Well, I mean, like, uh, I, I think that this whole FTX thing like, gave me, like, a really good reason to kind of, like, you know, tune in the parliament. Uh, I, I know I'm, I'm, suppo <laughs> yeah, wait, I'm supposed actually, to do it as part of my job. You actually tune in. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm supposed to do it as part of yeah, my job, yeah. but, you know, honestly, like, it's very boring. So, like, I... I, I, I uh, Bro, no, this round, this round, very interesting. Yeah, this yeah. round, very interesting. Got FTX, la, got 377A, la, got the whole, like, uh, death roll thing. La. Yeah. There's many, many big things this round. So, please, yeah. for all of you that don't... Tune in, you should tune in to Parliament speeches. Yeah. Yes. Well, well I, I guess one, just to kind of sum up, like I guess my thoughts on this whole issue here is that, like, we, we, I, I know that there's, there's, there's going to be a tendency to really over, overcorrect and overreact on, like, say, like you know, on both the regulatory, regulatory end of things and also on the consumer end of things. But um, where, where, where I was really going with the whole, like, you know, like we, we, we should still be looking to kind of take big bets, you know, like in in certain areas, right? Is that um, what I hope that. What I hope doesn't happen is just our general capacity to take these risks as a country, but also like you know as just um, um, investors, right? Because it, it, at the end of the day, like you know, like that, that's what it's about. You know, like if if you're gonna be in this space, if you're gonna be looking at Web three, crypto, right? You know, like blockchain innovation, right? Um, it's it's just bound to be contrarian. You know, so it's, it's very important that I think that in the, in the public sphere, right, that these contrarian voices, right, are just not drowned out. Because right now, you, you, you're already seeing that, like, you know, like every time this, this thing happens, right, like the conversations on Twitter are just so polarized. In a bull market, everything's fucking great. And then, like, you know, like when in, like, you know, shit hits the fan, you know, like, it's just, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And then, like, it just overcorrects. You know, yeah, so yeah. I think that as a retail investor, as someone like kind of like tuning into this, right, it helps to actually have a balanced approach. You know, not everything is good. Not everything is like you know, like uh, I mean, it, it. What what I'm trying to say here is that like not not. You should obviously be, obviously be aware of the risk, but at the same time, you know, the whole point of actually being interested in this space requires you to take a contrarian approach, and then there is some inherent risk with that. Yeah. yeah. What what what, what what we don't want is like a a knee jerk reaction to this whole fiasco. Yes. 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 Yeah, I think there's yes. still a lot to crypto yeah. and blockchain technology that is worth exploring. But it's just right now everybody's in a mess. Everybody's trying to to, to figure out how to how to move forward. 
Um, so I think we just have to weather the storm for now. Yeah, fair, fair. And, and for all of you that are still kind of on the fence, you also don't need to jerk in. You can take your time to, to learn and all that, right? And I think during, during messy times, there's always more information. People will cover it, you know, there's more optics around this, right? So it's a great time to learn and uh, hopefully one day we'll all do better, right? So yeah. Thank you, and for all the articles that we referenced today, you know, uh, you can always just check out blockhead.co, and we will see you next week. Okay, guys, thank you, thank you all. Take care. Bye. Thanks, see ya. Hey, coconuts. So yes, uh, I hope you enjoy this new show that we're building together with the team at Blockhead and. Uh, the goal is very clear, right? We're not here to shield any token or be a cheerleader for any project. But we feel that there's a lot of development that's going on in this space that we could cover and continue to be a little bit smarter um, as investors. I mean, eventually, you tune in every week to a financial podcast network so that you can be smarter with your investments. And if it so happened, this is something that you're looking at, the crypto space, Web3, Metaverse, all these kind of stuff, then that is where we're trying to cover. But not from the angle of like, this is good, that is bad, but really trying to see it from like what is happening how is it developing and I hope you find this useful and interesting right so if you want to continue to get more coverage around the crypto space check out blockhead.co and then we will see you next week <laughs>